Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LayeredSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code DRD at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. All right, back in. We'll get you in here, Diana, and get it popping. There she goes. That was a popping intro. <laughs> I know, right? I, I know. Like... <laughs> You're like dancing along to it. It's like, wow. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I know. See, this kind of adds a fun flavor to it with this now. It's like people yeah. hear the intro. <laughs> All the stuff. And uh, my last guest was like, who did you do that? I was like, no, my brother did that. He's a professional musician. Aww. So he, d- he did my intro. That for is really good. Oh, my God. Yeah. He did a really good job with that. That is awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, he's a good dude. And uh, man, he just he's really well known in independent uh, music circles. And just uh, he really came through for me on this one. It's so cool. That's awesome. So, Diana, we're back, part two of our episode, because I enjoyed myself so much last time. I uh, had to talk to you again. Aw. <laughs> it was seriously so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And you know what's interesting? You got the, uh, was the hemp leave on, your, in, in the, on the ear here? Show it off there. Just for you. Yeah, Just I, I have me. them on both, but you can't really see this one. Um, these are actually made by Ranchera Mami, and it's a Latina-owned and made hemp. They're the first of its kind, first ever wow. real hemp leaf earrings, cold-pressed and hand-painted with reason. So... With um, reason. It's actually this brand. <laughs> yeah, I actually just smoked their pre-roll before I started. I, I <laughs> use their, um, their hemp pre-roll. I smoked them, and... I know I'm at that stage in my life now where I'm smoking hemp willingly. <laughs> wow. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm going to start off with a crazy story because uh, oh, my good. grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother, one time we were moving her from one of her apartments to another one. She moved a lot, but <laughs> I found a little baggie in her sock drawer and it was like a half smoked blunt. And she tried to say that it was hemp. Oh, okay. And she would tell me that, yeah, she would say, people, yeah, we smoked hemp in our day. And I was like, nobody smokes hemp. (laughs) And here I am smoking hemp. (laughs) What's the difference? I mean, what's the But I can tell you that was not hemp. (laughs) She was smoking. Yeah. I don't know what that, like, what's the difference (laughs) in smoking that? Like, Uh, well, with hemp, you still get the benefits of all the cannabinoids, but you don't have the THC. So um, it doesn't have the mind altering. I shouldn't say it doesn't have the mind altering because people, people say CBD and hemp are not psychoactive, 
But in my research, in my writing, I've been told that that is not the case. It is psychoactive because it can make you feel euphoric. It can change your mood in a way. So I guess I should say it's not, you don't have the chance of having like inebriation in any kind of way um, with hemp and CBD because you don't have the THC. (laughs) No. Now, is that something you're going for, not having the inebriation, or what's the motivation? Well, I benefit from, you know, all of the other cannabinoids, like THCV, for instance. I get, like, a nice little uplift. It helps me work out. You know, each cannabinoid I have, I have found benefit with, you know, THCA is another one that I use because it has really great neurological benefits. Um, and as we spoke about last time, I have a very high tolerance. And so I do try to give myself like mini tolerance breaks by not just consuming the highest amount of THC all day, (laughs) if possible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I want to be somewhat coherent when I'm speaking to you today. So that's why (laughs) I don't want to seem too high. That's okay. I actually think it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I know you do. <laughs> I really do. I told you I had a guy come on. He just kept forgetting what he was saying. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I ingested some THC. And I was like, don't be, don't apologize for that. I was like, it's just, it's what you're doing. I know, but it's like, it, nowadays is like, is it THC or is it COVID? You know, because my brain, ever since I've had COVID, I feel like I can't. I already had a bad memory and yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you can say for many reasons, but I feel like, po- I don't want to say post COVID, but you know, whatever the right term is, <laughs> it's, I feel yeah. like after having it, my brain is not the same and I know I'm not really? alone in that. So <laughs> yes, I, I feel like I'm talking to people now who I used to have very easy conversations with and we're just like, what were we talking about before? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's people who don't even use cannabis. So I don't know. And plus, I think it's been disproven, at least some strains or cultivars of cannabis can actually improve your memory or help with brain elasticity. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I'm not a scientist. I, mean, I, I want so that. I, to... <laughs> I, want, I want that strain because I usually just forget. Well, I the get THCV... like gaps in my memory. Yeah. Okay. Well, same, but <laughs> the THCV I find, and from my, everything I've been able to find out about it, it does help with that a lot. Um, I only take, I take one THCV gummy in the morning because if I take it too late in the day, I'll be wired, <laughs> <laughs> but it helps work with my workout and stuff like that. It does help with like the endurance part of it. So, and there have been a lot of studies, actually, I I should be showing you this magazine. I don't know if we talked about it last time, the Can of Curious magazine. No, we didn't. We actually, I I was the guest editor of the last few issues, and the latest one just came out last week. It's available right now to order. But I had a special in it, um, not a special. See, we actually did um, an article about THCV in the last issue, and they found that it really did help um, with repairing, like brain. Not, 
I shouldn't say like trauma of the brain, you know. Wow. So anyway. Wow, that's a that's a serious deal. Like I n- I never heard of that, but I've definitely worked out while being high. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Yeah. It's actually amazing. It is. I feel that, right? Yes. I think that if you just get the right strain and yes, I agree. I think if you have the right strain and the right amount, you know, um, I know cultivar is the preferred term now (laughs) because people are saying strain is when you refer to a strain, it's like a disease. Like you refer to diseases as strains. Yeah. That's the critique about using it that way. So I tr- I'm trying to say cultivar, but it's hard because I, I feel like it sounds a little snobby. <laughs> I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't like that word. I don't know. It's something about it seems stupid to me. I don't know. I'm not using it just yeah. so you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll go back to strain then. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, especially if you're doing a yoga practice or anything like stretching where you're really doing deep breathing, I feel like it can really help with the mind-body connection when you're working out. And actually, that's what this issue, our next issue of Canicure is, is actually about fitness. Um, it's the first fitness-centered issue. And um, I mean, I need to be in this. I mean. <laughs> yes. I know. And I met you after we had already wrapped the issue. I was like, oh, what a bummer, because I really should have made that connection. Well, you know, things happen when they're supposed to. But that's right. I think you'll like this issue a lot because um, we have some professional athletes in there who use it, who have used it to help them come overcome injuries and other things. But they also talk about the unfair testing practices that professional athletes have to adhere to a lot. So it, it's an interesting issue. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think a lot of people will learn something new. Well, I also think it's kind of a thing where um, people don't expect athletes to be into cannabis as like, not, not just for like after workouts, um, I think that's maybe what people may think maybe the benefit after workouts or if you, you know, you're in a collision sport and help with uh, the trauma of collision, things of that nature. But I actually find for me, it's very beneficial just during uh, my training and not just for like lower intensity stuff, but especially for high intensity exercise as well. I feel like it just, yeah. it's, it's a, you almost feel like you're in the zone immediately. Like you just don't care. And you just you're you're ready to attack, but you feel chill about it at the same time. It's a different feeling. What do you use before you work out? Honestly, I will take like a small edible. I will take a small edible. I used to try to smoke. I don't know. The edible is something about the edible that speaks to me. Like on every phase. And uh I didn't do too much because if I did too much, it was not happening. It was definitely not happening. Uh, but the edible was great. I thought it was like, it's just centering. And I think it just really centers you right down the middle where you can just get what you need to get done. And it's almost a performance enhancement because you feel like I'm in a little bit of pain, but I kind of honestly don't care either at the same time. That's a different feeling. Yes. Well, for me, Kratom does that too, The or Kratom, however you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> 
talking about other forms of plant medicine. Like that is one of the key ingredients for me moving. <laughs> the key ingredients to make me move because it's hard sometimes with like when I have chronic pain just to be like, I'm going to the gym now. So it gets me feeling like I can go work out long enough to finish a workout. I mean, cannabis does help with pain, but for me, it's more, um, I guess it's more mental, but also it depends on, it depends on the day, really what I'm trying to, how I feel that day, you know, um, because sometimes I need more help than others. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) on a good day, if I'm waking up feeling good, I might not need that much assistance, but some days I have to break out <laughs> everything in the drawers. <laughs> you know, like. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. stuff in that drawer, I'm, be- I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. I have a huge basket just full with, of supplements like every day that I take. And that's about 15. <laughs> wow. And Kratom is in that basket. And I also use... CBD, CBG oil. That's not even in the basket. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then topicals. I use tons of topicals. Like I have a THC lotion by Mary's Medicinals, which is my hands down go-to for pain um, because it helps with all types of pain. You can use it on your head if you have a headache, like on your temples. Really? Um, I use it, my stomach, if I'm having because I have Crohn's disease, so I'm always having digestive issues, but it helps with that. Weirdly, if you put it on, rub it on your stomach. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> use, wow. You got it all down. <laughs> you got a whole, like a whole system here of plant medicine based yes. uh, treatment. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wow. I know. And Every time I write an article about it, this is why I haven't written about my own personal experience in a while, an editor will say, what exactly are you using? And I'm like, I mean, if I if I list everything, that's like the whole article. I mean, how many <laughs> words? I only have so many words, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I'm always adding to it. So... <laughs> well, so how do you decide what you want to add to your personal use? Well, usually it's something I've heard about, or I'm always doing research about herbalism. So it might be something I read in a book or something I saw on TikTok. (laughs) You know, I mean, you'd be shocked. I mean, maybe you wouldn't be, but the herbalism community on TikTok is bonkers. I mean, there's so much to learn. I have learned so many things. Just even about using plants in other ways for like beauty and things like that. There's a woman on there and she's always showing different juices you can put together and different herbs and things like that. And she just taught me that you can use a banana peel as Botox and it works. Okay. I'm not joking. It works. You take the banana peel and you rub it all over your face and then you leave it on for 10 minutes and then you wipe it off with like a wet washcloth and then put your moisturizer on, you'll see a difference right away. Wild. Yes, it is wild. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not susceptible to believing everything. Like I, I do check things out and make sure, you know, is this actually real? But 
I am learning a lot, surprisingly, from TikTok. I, I, I didn't really take it seriously as a social media platform for a long time. And now, now I'm really into it. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I mean, I think it has yeah. probably a negative connotation to a lot of people. But I mean, like anything, yeah. there is, there's good things and stuff. But you have to get like the full spectrum of different experiences people are having with anything for that. Just like some right. people are having bad experiences with plant medicine, depending on right. the set and setting, right? And the people they're around and the dosing. And I think it's important to tell all those stories because it's not just all like butterflies and rainbows all the time, you know? And it's hard to do that, to be honest. If you um, are a writer for a cannabis publication, I don't want to say that they try to shape stories a certain way, <laughs> but I have had situations where I've had the editor tell me that the stories that are out there are just to perpetuate the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, basically like the prohibition mindset, you know, and I understand what they're saying because some of these stories are cherry picked and some of them are dramatized and, and all of this, and there's things left out and you don't get the whole entire picture, but you still have to mention that these things exist. I mean, just like with Kratom, like I understand it is a controversial topic. I understand there are a lot of bad actors in that industry, but I also understand that it's a plant that has so much potential and it can do so many heal. It has so many healing properties, you know, that part is true. That's a hard fact. But the other hard fact is that there are people selling extracts that have a lot of dangerous things in them and people are overdosing and dying. So it is a lot of having to measure everything, <laughs> you know, um, I think that should be the case with everything that you put into your body. And as much as you can control it, control what you are able to put into it, you know, um, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's well, all. yeah, no, it's good. How do you go about writing? Like you talk about writing about cannabis, What's always your approach to writing about cannabis and has that approach changed over time? Yes. When I first started, <laughs> it has definitely changed. I mean, when it first started, I was definitely having rose colored glasses on, you know, as I'm being critical now of these tactics of leaving out information. I also thought back when I started writing about it, like this is amazing. People are just, they just are trying to take it away from us. That's why they're, you know, the opponents have so much misinformation out there and that is still true. But then, like you said, we still have to acknowledge the bad that's happening and, and have critical discussions. We have to be able to critique everything. And if we can't have healthy critical discussions, then we aren't going to actually move forward in, in a healthy and safe way for everyone. Um, and so 
that can be difficult sometimes when I'm writing about it, because if I'm writing about it for a non-cannabis publication, then I have to include all of the negatives, even if I don't agree with them, even if I think that it's not a great source because the editor wants to seem fair and balanced. So I have that. And then if I'm doing it for a cannabis publication, a lot of times I find that they don't want to critique not just the plant, but the industry. Because I like to go after topics like, for example, here's a perfect example. Um, the childcare crisis that's happening right now. That affects me very personally, but it also, it's a, it should affect everyone. I mean, it is affecting everyone. I should say should. It should be a concern for everyone, even if you don't have children, because our future generations are the ones that are taking care of us, right? So anyway, I was trying to I was trying to pitch a story about the lack of childcare benefits in the cannabis industry. And my whole point was, how are we saying this is a different industry than any other one if we're not offering comprehensive childcare benefits? If we're not making these big businesses a place that working parents can not just survive, but thrive? And how are you really truly coming from a patient focus if you're not trying to make the workplace more accessible for people who are really made meant they're made to stay home because they can't you know they can't make enough money to actually have a profit after they pay for childcare and i couldn't get anyone to greenlight that story even my regular go-to publications and finally, I did get one, but they cut out a lot of, of research that I had done, and they wanted to make it seem less like an academic paper, which that was their quote, not mine. Um, and they unpublished it from their website. They, they published it in a print magazine, but then they unpublished it from online without telling me. <laughs> so... That was just, that's like a snapshot of what I'm talking about. I, I don't get a lot of editors who want to critique the industry beyond licensing and business relations, you know? I mean, I, I would think that would be part of the business relations of it, you know, but I'm talking more about like this company acquired this company, those types of stories, you know? You know, what's interesting about that, I feel is a lot of industries that are, I would say trying to come up or un highly unregulated, whatever ones you want to say those are. Fitness is in this category. Whereas it's like we're trying to promote this thing, but we also don't want to critique it because, you know, it's it's already difficult as it is. And we don't want to admit that there's there's some problems here for that. But I think anything you're trying to do that's good, you have to provide a well-rounded idea of what's happening. And if you can own the difficulties in the product, then you take away the the um, stigma and the negative feedback from people outside who know nothing about it. And so you want to control that narrative, I feel, than letting other people control it about the negativity of it. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> PR 101, I, you want to control the narrative, right? I mean, if you really want to be viewed as a business that isn't just in it for profit and, and purely profit, 
then why aren't you trying to actively take in the critique? And even if you can't address it right away, say that's valid. Let's put that out there as a conversation that needs to continue. And, and let's see what we come up with. You know, I mean, you bring up fitness, perfect intersection, the lack of accessibility for all types of bodies and fitness. The same thing goes with cannabis. Most of the people who physically need the plant to move, to just, you know, survive, can't even get into a dispensary because they don't have translation devices, or maybe they don't have accessible entries, or, I mean, the thing is, it's like, they're not looking at, let's open this business in an accessible way. It's all after the fact. And so really then, how are you any different than every other industry? Well, it's also, I feel this is what the tech business has done too, is just the creation of something or the business side of something without thinking about the larger um, consequence of society for it. And while there's a lot of upside to a lot of these things we're talking about, have, they have huge upside. But it's fine, like, there's one thing to create something and then not to think about what it does in a long-term scale. But that's, to me, that's just a profit mindset. It's just like, well, this is going to make a lot of money, so let's just move forward with it and we'll deal with it as it comes which is a major flaw of all humans, which is to not look at the future as a relevant thing, as just something that's foreign to us versus going, why don't we just protect this investment on the front end instead of just dealing with the fallout on the back end? That's just like a very human thing to do on like most things, you know? Oh yeah, it is a human thing. I've done it myself. I tried to launch a digital marketing agency in cannabis and I did not think of the future. I did not think... I was thinking I had to put the cart before the horse because the industry, and especially five years ago when I tried to do this, was very much perpetuating that mentality. It was like, just just keep going. Just do, just do, just do, and we'll figure it out later because there's so many moving parts. And, and that was true, you know, but, but <laughs> the only uh, people who I ever interviewed that were thinking long-term absolutely saw all of the things that are happening now coming because they were thinking long-term, nobody listened to them. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, that the, is case? the case? I mean, People don't... that's the case, right? It's uh, that is the mentality, case. <laughs> right? Just break things, just break things and go for it and deal with it later. You know, that's, that was the whole tech aspect is like, yeah, just do it, break stuff and see what happens. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. Like for the long-term no. prosperity of something, you know? Right. Yeah, I know. I, and also like thinking about just marketing, right? Like most of the companies I come across, people who pitch me, their clients, I get pitched all the time. Do you want this person on your show? Do you want to write about them? Da, 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 da. They've done all these things. You know, you get them. And <laughs> then I'll respond with, well, I don't have any guest opportunities right now, but I have this really fantastic affordable sponsorship plan and it works right into your marketing, da, 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 you know, and I cannot tell you how many times I have heard the response. Thank you for the offer, but we don't have anything in our marketing budget right now. 
Like they don't even have a marketing budget. How is that possible? How do you start a huge company and you don't think about marketing? I, it makes no sense to me. I can, and even though I hear this multiple times a week, it's still like, how? How are you a huge company and you're not thinking about not just marketing, but crisis management? PR goes into so many directions, you know, they, you, it's way more than just sending out a press release, which I think is the only thing that people budget for <laughs> in this industry is just press releases because that's, that's the extent of it. Really. I just get press releases and emails, you know, the spray and pray emails as my friend Tamara calls them. Um, she's a publicist. <laughs> she says that's <laughs> the worst method, but that's the method people use in cannabis a lot. Do you think oh, that's sorry. because of kind of the, um, uh, like the status of social media and that, you know, it's so, social media actually is funny. It is accessible to so many people. And I think like that fact that people are posting constantly, they maybe feel like, well, I could just do the marketing for free because I could just put it out myself and put this post. I, I don't know. I'm just asking, like, does this feel like that because it's so accessible, think. right? I don't need the help because, I mean, I could just do it myself because it's the access is so easy. That's everything I'm in, writing, <laughs> digital marketing. Those are two, especially writing and especially when the economy isn't doing well, um, people always think they can do the writing because, yes, in theory, everyone can write. <laughs> um, and then you have all this AI that's coming out that is right writing stories and things like that. And so we have those things to, to battle with as a marketing person, as a creative, as a writer. I mean, it's especially right now, it's difficult to have any kind of project funded. Um, and I understand why, <laughs> but what I don't understand is how people think that you can give them a platform if you don't have the resources to do so. It's like the understanding doesn't go both ways. You're pitching your client to me who's saying they don't have any money <laughs> And you want me to put them on my show, but you don't think that it's something you should budget for. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how does that make sense? Yeah. Well, what even is even weirder? <laughs> let's, make, let's make this even weirder. Is when someone wants to come on your show and they say they really enjoyed it and then they don't even promote it at all. Like they don't even actually post it at all. It's like, they just forget. I'm like, but well, you wanted to be on like, this is your thing. Like, it's weird. Honestly, I find that actually happens a decent amount with people is like, they just do a poor job of promoting just in general, their own episode that they asked you to be on. <laughs> for. Look, I'm trying to promote the last episode. Okay. I've, I put it out a newsletter. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do a lot more with this one, I promise. <laughs> this is not no, you. No, but <laughs> I, that's, 
no, okay. I, I <laughs> no, but that's why I put in my pre questionnaire thing. Like, if you're signing up to be on my show, I have it specifically in there. Can you commit to sharing this at least three times? They always say, sure, no problem. <laughs> we know how this goes. No. <laughs> no, I've done that too. I've put that in my podcast guest form. I used to have it in there. And uh, I almost feel like it doesn't matter sometimes. It just like- It doesn't. You almost, have, it doesn't matter. Like you have to find the right person who was like, yeah, I just, I'm going to actually do this. Like it's benefits both yes. of us. You know? Yes, yes. That's so true. And it's hard to find someone like that. And the other thing is I- I just added a question about how familiar are you with the show? Actually, I've added it a while back, but I added that because the thing that's even more galling to me is when someone comes onto the show and they did zero research about me. I mean, they don't even know if it's just me or me and another person. They don't know who our audience is, like what the audience is. They don't know anything about the show. And then you can tell that they don't care. And then afterwards, like, they're not going to share that. And they don't. And a lot of times there are people with very large platforms. And it's like, okay, yes. that would been that would have been very beneficial if you could have shared that even one time. Let me tell you something right now, Diana. This is the truth. All you podcasters listening out there, I would advise you Stop trying to try to get the biggest people on. They literally are terrible at actually getting your podcast out to their audience. It's a weird thing. I've had the most success from people who are small and they hustle hard and they get they really get it out there. They care. They really care about it. And like, but I think you're it's the excitement of being alert, being lured by this big name, this big person. It's actually usually pretty disappointing to me personally in my own experience. Yes, I agree with you. And I honestly, I've stopped going after big people. Like I don't care anymore. If you pitch your client to me, I, if their bio is 10 feet long, I don't really care. <laughs> honestly, I, <laughs> I want to know, I want to know like, what are they bringing to the conversation? And that is why I, I pretty much changed my whole booking process a couple of years ago, but I'm still, I'm still tweaking it, but yeah. I am trying to be a lot more intentional about not just who I bring on to the podcast that I'm podcast plural, but, <laughs> but also more mindful about who is listening, you know, because I didn't really think about that in the beginning. Honestly, I didn't think anyone was listening for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I'd meet people and they'd say, oh, yeah, I listen to your show. And I'd like, what you do? And instead of saying, what do you like about it? Which probably would have helped me shape the show more. I, I'm just like, wow, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, now. I have, I even have a mural of like what I want my listener to kind of embody. And I'm trying to really think about that now going forward with all of my audio projects. 
about who can really benefit from this instead of just being like, is this something I would be interested in? Because that was pretty much how I was approaching it before. So I look at it from both ways, but I'm also really more interested in the conversation. I want to know what can we talk about other than your product line or, you know, your success business wise. Because I, I don't know, I don't think any of us are more important than anyone else, right? Like we all have so much to bring to the table. And so that's pretty much where I'm coming from now when it comes to approaching guests. That's not to say sometimes I don't go, okay, we'll just do a typical interview because sometimes <laughs> it just works out that way. But I'm trying to limit limit that experience, you know, and have more of a, like what you have. I want, I love, yeah. I love what you do, you're doing. I love your approach and you're, you're really, you're really gifted. It's like so natural with you and you really are a great interviewer. I don't think I made that clear enough last time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Diana. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, a lot of people have asked me about it and actually a good episode is coming out June 4th. I was on someone else's podcast. Her name is Julie Kratz and it's like a diversity kind of DEI based podcast, but she actually was talking to me about like my interview methodology. It was a whole thing about how I interview people, which we had no clue was going to go there, but it went. And so I was kind of downloading to her like how I actually do it. And uh, so I actually gave her like a lot of specific tips and I things of how I'd make it free flowing and how I don't, you know, like you said, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, I have no clue. I was like, <laughs> we're just going to talk. But that's partially true. <laughs> And partially not true. The part is true is I don't know what we're going to talk about. The part that is the planning is just the technique I use, which is called a tailing method, which I created myself, which is I listen, listen, listen. And the last, you know, minute of that person, you could hear their cadence dropping and you can hear their breathing starting to change. And you know when someone's about to stop talking. So I key in on that. And then whatever they're saying in that last minute, I focus on that or 30 seconds. And when I feel that, that's the next question. Like I, I, start into, I intuitively start thinking about that part of it. And then it launches into the next thing with that. That's the technique that I use. Surprise. <laughs> like, I love that. But what about when you have people who don't stop? I'm pretty good at reeling people back in, but I have had some where they just, it's almost like they have a script in front of them and they're just, <laughs> and then, and you're like, uh, oh, it, it, oh, uh, you know, and yeah. <laughs> trying to find a spot to wedge yourself in. And then you lose your train of thought because you think that they were going to stop about five times. What do you do with the, what is the tail method to that? Uh, there is no tailing at that point is uh, clearly they need, they need to talk about this and they need to get it out. And uh, usually what always happens is afterwards they go, oh, I just talked the entire time. I'm like, yep. 
I was like, you must have really needed to get that out. Like you, like you, it was almost like it's therapeutic for them. So I just don't interrupt it. I just let them say what they're going to say. And because I feel like they probably needed that. So whatever they come on and do, I just kind of meld myself to. Now that means some of the episodes are really amazing and some of them are not that amazing, but I accept all of that for the best ones are when I have a good time with the other person and we're going back and forth. Those are the best episodes because I'm enjoying myself. The other person's enjoying themselves. And I think the audience feels the chemistry between us for Uh them. Uh Um, So maybe the person coming on, hopefully they listen back to their episode and see that there wasn't, wasn't much back and forth and they'll learn from that. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe. (laughs) I, I feel like there have been episodes where you were more and then sometimes, but I, I think like you said, it changes, depends on what you're talking about, you know, but I think that, um, everything I listened to was just really enjoyable. So thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I really I love it when I can learn something. Well, you know, I can't remember who said it, but it was a podcasting expert of some sort. She said, you really want to have three things in a podcast, at least one of three. Two out of three is perfection. But she said you want to either entertain or be an expert and the third one was um, educate, entertain. What was the third one? I can't remember what the third one was. Where's <laughs> that THCV? It was like Come inform, on. educate. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, see. It was educate, inform, and then I think expert was the third one, meaning like you're an expert in a topic. So you can still be educational without being an expert. And so I think you have three out of three, which is pretty phenomenal because you're like, you seem like you're an expert in everything that you talk about, <laughs> even if you're interviewing someone about Thank you. something that's completely off the wall. So that's really great. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I think a lot of people, you know, move towards their comfort zone, right? Whatever the knowledge they have, they want to move towards that and interview a lot of people in that. For me, that's never a thing for me. Like, I don't have to know about it. I just know, I just have to know how to ask interesting questions about something they're into. That's primarily it. And then I gain the knowledge from them. And then the more conversations I have, the more at ease I am about talking about their subject. But I just think that takes a long time. Like, you just have to like keep putting in the reps of talking to different people. You know, you have to keep asking, like, I like to push people. Like, not in a bad way, but I just like to ask very thought-provoking questions that I think they have never been asked before. And then Hmm. I like to watch the pause. I like to see their brain, the screws moving. And they're like, ah, I've never been asked this before. How do I say this? Like, I think it's just repetitions. You have to constantly be doing it to get better. You have to sharpen the knife over and over again. It's like, I talked to a lot of people about cannabis, plant medicine, but it's never the same. It's never the same. It's all because I think if we focus on the person behind the medicine, you're going to get all different stories versus just talking about the medicine, you know? Yeah, that's what I try to do. (laughs) 
That's what we're trying to do. That's exactly how I, that's how I feel. But I also felt like during that, you're like kind of a personal trainer of the brain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do the same thing with my clients. I, you know, when I train them, I, I'm training them through the exercise progressions and stuff we're doing, but I'm also just curious about their thoughts on a lot of things and I'm trying to go deeper. That's kind of my whole thing is like, let's go deeper on this. Like you're writing yes. about cannabis. Okay. Well, where is the, what's the, not necessarily the controversy, but how do you write? How does this affect your life when you write? And then the whole thing about people not wanting to really go to take the full picture of cannabis. Like that's curious to me because it's like nothing is a magic bullet, nothing, you know? So there has to be some downside. Why don't, why not talk about it? You know? Yes, exactly. I mean, honestly, that's how, look, this, this industry is so critical of big pharma, but that's how big pharma became what they are now is because people weren't critiquing anything. They were saying, oh, well, the doctor just gave me a script and I trust my doctor. Why wouldn't you trust your doctor? Even asking that question is controversial. Even now, even though we have found so many incidences of doctors being corrupt and even my own doctor taking bribes, she's still not my doctor anymore, but she's still practicing. It's just like these things need need to be critiqued. There is no bad magic bullet, like you said, and we all need to be cognizant of the fact that people aren't going to take us seriously if we don't embrace all of it. Well said. I, again, Using the my same thing is in today. my business. Sorry. That's okay. You know, we're all hands. We're handsy. We're very handsy. We're but it's handsy. the same thing in my business. We're all handsy. Same thing in my business. I'm trying to get people to take it more serious, but you can't take it serious until you admit your own faults that's happening in it. And the part that we play in the lack of regulation, the lack of legitimacy, it can't always be like the government's fault. It can't always be these other institutions fault. That's like a relationship. If you're always blaming someone else in the relationship and you never think about what you did and part of it, it's an incomplete story. It's just your side of the story, but it has, but you take no blame for the destruction of it. And I think that's what all good businesses do. They take a very critical look at their side of it and what are we not doing well and how could we own that and control the narrative better so that we don't let other people define what this business is going to be. I could not agree more. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, exactly. That's exactly that. Exactly. It that. actually makes me think of a, a piece. I, I wrote two articles that were different versions of CBD or snake oil. And <laughs> I was shocked in my research for it because there are a lot of companies out there selling fake CBD. There are a lot of really dangerous products. Like people have had serious reactions to these fake CBD products. And it's really frustrating as someone who I'm doing my Italian thing here with my hands. Sorry. (laughs) 
it's really frustrating <laughs> when you're such a fan of CBD and then you bring it up and you just know that people are going to roll their eyes because there's so much bad, like the snake oil is so prevalent and you can't really combat that when you're trying to have a, a conversation and turn somebody onto it. You're like, yes, this is so great, but you have to make sure you're using the right product and you have to do this and this and this and this. And people like my grandmother, who I've been trying to turn on to CBD for a while now, she doesn't want to hear about it. You know, she, <laughs> she didn't see any difference and that was it. She's done. And she could be benefiting so much from it. But it's hard to try to convince her otherwise because of her experience. And because, like I said, there's so much out there. I mean, CBD pillowcases, come on. What is that doing? <laughs> it's not doing anything. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, Wow. I, there's CBD in everything now. If you go to the grocery store, you see it in shampoos. And it's like, when you actually look at the ingredients list, it's, is it actually CBD? Is it CBD distillate? Is it broad spectrum? I mean, the list goes on about all the things that you have to actually consider. So it's difficult. It's a It's an uphill battle, I feel, trying to legitimize and get people not just excited, but on board fully with lifestyle changes and the way they perceive plant medicine as a whole. So totally agree. Totally agree. Well, this is, yeah. I think is a good place to <laughs> wrap this up. I think yeah. you and I could have, um, I think we could have like many, many, many conversations about these things over and over again. Well, you're going to be um, on my show, so yes, or one of yes. my shows soon. Yes, yeah, but uh, no, we should talk more. I think we have a we have a like continuous line of discussion that I think yes. is is good for people to hear. Um, the chemistry is very good. I always, I, I first time I talked to you, Diana, I said the chemistry is very good. I felt it, and uh, that makes a great podcast to me. The chemistry's got to be great, you know. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for giving me another chance. I hope I didn't let you down this time. <laughs> no, it was great the first time. That's why you're back. So uh, plug it again, <laughs> all the stuff you're doing. Please plug all the ways people can connect with you. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I should be more prepared for this part. Well, definitely check out Canicurious Magazine's spring issue. You can go to canicuriousmag.com for that. And for me, you can check me out at Your Highness Podcast on Instagram or Highness Podcast on Twitter. And uh, you can check out Your Highness Podcast or Getting Personal with Plant Medicine Podcast on any platform you listen to podcasts. That was a lot of peas. That, that, <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana, for You're your time. Awesome. And uh, thank you. You're awesome, too. We will definitely be in touch. Okay.